Episode 25, Christian. Where is the time? It's the silver episode. It's the silver episode. I am very excited. And you know, I've been away from the lights of 400 West 43rd Street. You got that reference? That lights Dolly. I've been away from the lights. I'm back. I'm back. Our guest knows about it. I'm back. And we're doing something differently because it's a new year. And instead of monthly, I figured we'd do like, you know, quarterly because. It, part of my issue deals with, you know, am I going to solve this problem? And now we're at the point where we've gotten so many responses and so many things that we really, the big thing that has to happen is I need to solve it. So when I have to solve it, and the last time, if you remember, I was going to go on that overnight sleep disorder thing. I did go on it. You did. I did. And it was um, it was a little uh, oh, underwhelming because I was kind of sick. And my doctor said, you maybe not shouldn't be doing this. When you're and, sick. Yeah, when you, I had a kind of a cold. Okay. And I went on a Friday night, which is December 21st. And they were very cool. I took pictures of me hooked up and everything. And the lady was very cool. And I did sleep. I did. I mean, I didn't stay. I didn't get up like I usually do every two hours or three hours and then go back to bed. I was in, I was a bit of probably about five and a half hours of sleep nonstop. But it, the problem was that I felt like I had problems breathing when I got up. It was a very weird sensation. And she said that was normal. And then we went through the whole bro- ro- protocol and all this kind of stuff. And she's, I, she said, she's not supposed to tell me anything. They're supposed to email me, get okay. back to me if I have sleep. This is about sleep apnea. Okay. Because then if you have sleep apnea, then they send you go back and they, they figure out what, what, the, what the diagnosis is and what they need to do for you. And so Susan Rivera was very cool about this. So I was, I, she said, we'll get back to you. And then she said very quietly under her breath, you do have something and they'll get oh. back to you. You know, so it's like whispering like you do have something i was hoping oh my god what do i have so i um so that was great and then i think in my neurotic compulsive you know self i'm thinking i'm not feeling well i don't shouldn't be doing this so i actually went to my doctor a week later and she wrote a note to the sleep disorder institute saying maybe you should try doing this again now if my listeners know it was it's been hell to try to get me to this you know to get me to do the overnight study so i emailed them i wrote to them I called them December 21st, 2nd, around the holidays, right after the holidays because of the Christmas, January. It is now March 3rd. I have not heard one thing from the Sleep Disorder Institute. So hence, I'm going to still contact them because I, I really would like to try to do it when I'm, not total, when I'm fully 100% well. If they want to put me to the sleep apnea thing, I'll do it. But I haven't heard anything. So, and I've went there. I I will go back, and we, that's why I'm not going to do this every month. I have to I have to see if they they're going to do something. It's it's been it's been a runaround, you know. And I guess I could go try a different place. It's too much. I have sleep issues. I have a sleep issue, in case people don't know. And I don't no. want to you know to spend more time when the other people need to do their thing. We we uh, if the listeners don't remember, we had a whole conversation about this, yeah. right? About how horrific. The the whole experience was, and I thought Susan Rivera would be really cool. I really wanted to be her guest in the oh, yeah, episode. Oh, we yeah. Gonna... Yeah, but we'll see. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens, and we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we may be able to get information from our guest that's here today as well. Um, so I do want to say that I always have advice. So I have actually put together different things that my sister and other people have sent to me suggestions. I think William Shatner oh. had a thing on television called SoClean.com, which is an alternative to the masks that you wear when you have sleep apnea. Then my sister sent me pictures of 
faces of your face if we're sleep deprived, like the image of what it will look like. And so she sent me these images, which of course makes me a little frightened. Then she's sending me more information on meditation, okay. reversing aging. Okay. And then more, another website that deals with um, what to do if you're having trouble sleeping. There was an article on the New York Times as well that talks about we beat sleep apnea. Which, which was about a month ago. And it talks about, again, alternative to the mask and the situation when you have sleep apnea. So I read it, and I think there are a lot of alternatives now, apparently, it is to, to what the, 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 conventional the, the conventional wisdom. Method. Now, you had mentioned, I don't know if you brought it this time. This might be something we look at, the hypnotist thing. But I think that we should schedule a hypnosis session. We had talked about that, yeah. though. So I was in a coffee shop, and I, and I saw her card uh, pinned to the cork board. And sleep issues were one of the things that she suggested that hypnosis would help with. So I, we should we should do one. Would you go with me? I think she should come here. Okay. Why don't you look into it? We should do it on the air. Okay. I mean, I'm 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 game for that. Maybe in the summertime because we're yeah. doing this seasonally. I mean, yeah. it'd be a nice thing. We should just talk to her and say what kind of things do hypnosis. Uh, do hypnotists do to help with sleep? And, As I said, I'm all game for and, it. And would see if she'd be willing to do an experiment while right. we record it. All right. Um, okay, I do want to mention, I have had a lot of followers, you know, um, but not like, you know, not like hundreds, but a lot like people have commented since, you know, I guess since our last episode. And there are a few that have been very interesting. One from an ex-student says, you know, I didn't know this, but you're funny. I'm like, I'm like, thank you so much. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, I should thank you. I mean, yeah. I thank you. His name is Adon, and he's a very talented singer. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad. You are I'm funny, gl- Stephen. I guess. Then I had a colleague of mine, a drummer, and his girlfriend, Tristan, and they work at the school, and they worked with Merry Go Round Playhouse, and they said we're going to save the podcast for our road trip. Oh, and that's they did. a good idea. And I was so honored because they said, you know, we listen to your podcast on the road. And they were like, you're very funny. We're very endearing. You know, it, we, we love the stories. And they were very, what I loved about them is they were very honest. They weren't like, they weren't gushing, but you could tell that they had a good time. Do they have and, sleep issues? No, huh. not at all. They're totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Um, and then I had, I have had some crazy students at the school, American Music Dramatic Academy, that, you know, I, I guess it's the current students there. And this one student, I love her. I'm not going to mention her name, but I'll make because she's still there. But she says, Stephen, I relate to you. She's like, Stephen, I relate to your situation. I have a problem too. Yeah, don't and whisper said, it. Say it out but, loud. But that's how she says it. I said, no, I said that to her. I said, I, I'm going to try melatonin. I said, that's fine. You should do that. I said, I have such few sleep hours. But meanwhile, I love her. But she emails me at three or four in the morning. And then I'll get back to her. Sometimes if I'm up, uh, I will respond. But then she, I said, but, but then I don't. Email me again. I mean, mention all these things like I'm an expert. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I have all the answers. I just find it very interesting that because of this podcast, I get like either you know you're funny, you're great, you you're 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 like an expert on this. We want to see the journey. We want to this. I mean, man, I just did this as a passion project and to help people and to just do something totally different that that, that I fill a niche in people's lives in a good way, you know. But I just it, people are very funny. It's- I want to read one other. My friend who lives in this building is I love. Love you, Bob, but he's a curmudgeon if there ever was a curmudgeon. And his wife is the inta- inta- uh, the exact opposite, Trudy. Trudy is the salty. She's like Edith Bunker in the best way. You know, <laughs> If you don't know Edith Bunker, young viewers, go watch All in the Family. Yes. Anyway, so she wrote this down. She actually emailed this. I see if I'm reading this right. We have been listening to your podcast, Steve. You have a fantastic speaking voice, even though I don't believe that because Mr. Gerska said I sounded terrible. Back in seventh grade. You'll never I, forget. I'll never forget. He said, Silverstein. Your voice is too high pitched. You must lower it. Oh, Stephen. I know. That's what he said. That's, 
Anyway, we have been listening to your podcast, Steve. You have a fantastic speaking voice just made for radio. We really didn't know about your tenuous relationship with sleep. Great work. I signed up, so I will be listening. Zanfini was totally impressed. Honest to God. Great sleep, 2020 friend, Trudy. So that's really cool that Bob Zanfini, wow. Mr. Kermergen, was totally impressed. So, wow. And then Thanks, finally, Trudy. because this is connected to our guest, I work at the Neighborhood Playhouse uh, on the weekend. I've done a lot of stuff with, with a lot of different people yes. there. Randomly, the second class, the girl said, we've been listening to your podcast, and we think it's really good, and we almost got into a car accident because of it. Oh, like, oh my God, that is not a good... No, 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 it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. We were laughing about something. I don't remember exactly what you said. I was, I was so guilt-ridden at the time, that I was like, oh my God. I mean, and, yeah, and when is the next episode coming out? We want to know. I mean, so it's like, okay, well, thank you. I mean, maybe, she'll, maybe her, her, her father is in... We're building really, quite the following. We try. When are so, we going to get advertisers? I, I, that's what we want. Anyway, the last thing I want to say before I bring a guest, uh, I was on jury duty. I was summoned to go to jury duty. So most of the jury is usually on Center Street. Mine was on um, Pearl. So I um, didn't know what to expect. I filled it out. Okay. And they, this is the first thing they said, no cell phones. Now, I remember in Center, we were able to bring cell phones. So they have you fill out a couple of forms, which we never did before. Because on Center Street, they just have you f watch the video about what it's nice to be an American and wonderful patriotic stuff. So I read this thing, and they said, the first thing they said was, you are um, required to be here for a minimum of two weeks. Unless you're a firefighter, unless you're over 70. So that was it. That's what going through my brain was, oh, my God, two weeks, and I don't want to reschedule. Okay, great. My parents are not well. I mean, I'm, all these things going through my mind. However, I had a, a, an idea before I went to jury duty that I ran it through a friend of mine. You faked a heart attack. No, 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 no. I went to my doctor two weeks before, and I had my doctor write a note that said, I basically have sleep issues. I have issue and I'm under the care. She wrote this note and then so I went down there and I did this. So then I had the doctor's note. Finally, when we, we, we does anybody have a reason? I went up there and uh, I showed the note and literally this is what happened. He looked at the note literally for about two seconds. He said, you're good to go. And he wrote on my note, like, you know, done. You're do I said, wait a second. I said, don't you want to hold on to the doctor's note? He said, no, no, if it happens again, just send another doctor's note. We'll put you on the bottom of the pile. Goodbye, you're done. I said. Wait a second, wait a second. Uh, are you pot? Yep, you're fine. Good to go. Thank you so much. And I walked out of there. Wow. So I was like, I said, I said, sleep. Yes. <laughs> Having a sleep issue got me out of jury duty. Wow. So I, that's a mixed blessing. It's well, mixed blessing. I have till 70. So if I have another 10 years, yeah, yeah. then I can legitimately add a jury wow. duty. So if I, if I solve the problem and I get sleep and I don't have a doctor's note, I may have to go on jury duty. I guess that's the. the what lesson. else could this get you out of? Oh, I don't know. I never thought of that. Front of the line at Disney? <laughs> I guess I Well, that was sleep issue, but I don't know. That would be a good thing to try. Uh, maybe I'll carry the note with me. Yeah. I'll just bring it, you know, make a little, I'll condense yes. it and have a little, like a little ID uh, card. That's it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, here's a note for it. <laughs> Moving on. Moving so, on. our 25th guest. Okay. So, I met this gentleman through my friend Michael. This gentleman wrote a show called No Way to Treat a Lady. And um, I was playing rehearsal piano at the West Side Dance Project, but I remember reading a review. I was an aspiring, I still am an aspiring writer. I was in awe of this review. I think it was a New York Times review of No Way to Treat a Lady. It was 1987. From then, I, I'm in awe. And then what happened was our, our paths crossed over the years. Most recently, I saw 
uh, a show of his called The Evolution of Man, which was at, um, there was a reading on, on Chelsea, uh, a performance, and it was phenomenal. He's worked, he's a, a music uh, a composer and a lyricist, but he's also worked with amazing collaborators. I'll let him talk about it. But these are the shows that I, uh, that I, that I know of. Now, now, No Way to Treat a Lady is amazing for many reasons. First of all, the music is, lyrics are so fantastic, the storytelling, the writing, and we use this at the, at, at AMDA, American Music Academy Academy, there's one, uh, there's uh, one song um, that we use, uh, So Far So Good. Everybody does different because it's so well written that you can do so many things with it. The songs, the characters are, are older than the students, but the students have absorbed because of the writing and because of the way it, it develops between it, – it also ha- that song specifically goes in and out of their minds and it goes from dialogue into song. Out of, so it's such a great learning experience mm. and it, the hook is so great. So that's, that, that in itself has been phenomenal. And then there's a song in the last – a show, Evolution of Man, called Only a First Date. Uh, it's a relatively new song, I believe. And we, I did a, a, a workshop with a lady named Jane Seaman, and we had a young lady perform it. And again, she was she lo- not only loved the song, but the thing about it is that she connected to it. It's one of these things where you write something and say, "God damn you, Doug!" Because he, he, it, it's so. I we always aspire to this to have as a writer to have people can relate to it all different things. I only wrote one song that I was very impressed with. Only one song. This song was one of these things called. It was called "I'm a Mommy Too." That deals with a love for a dog. It's similar to the song uh, song called "Times Like This." The thing is, when you're a writer, for me. <laughs> is to be in the audience with people who are 10, 15, 30, 70, 90. And you could tell if it if a song or a show, and in his case, a show, it hits you and you can connect to it. I, I find that's great. So without further ado, yeah. our 25th guest, welcome, Douglas J. Cohen. Very so, honored to be here. Oh, I'm 25th I'm, guest. 25th I, guest. I would have dressed if I know. Well, no one wearing can see jeans. You, so. He's wearing jeans for those of you that know. He's wearing a beautiful sweater with a nice shirt. He's always very classic. Okay, thank you. So, so, Doug, do you remember how we first met? It was through Michael Levine. But I don't like I don't have an image of what that was. Was right. it in his apartment? I think it might have been his apartment. Michael Levine is a, a friend of ours. He's a wonderful coach, and he has the sheet music to the gods. And yeah. he always his sheet music of things that have yet to be written. <laughs> right, he does. He does. He has sheet music, and he's a, a wonderful human being with the salt of the earth. He's he a really very is. great person, and he uh, he's a very care. He's a great theater person in this community, and he's uh, uh, wonderful. So he might have been one of the shows. He might have been some of the places, but. Um, but what is your first recollection with uh, with your – because he's the guest that right. actually has sleep issues that's been through what I've been oh, through. Oh, I've Can been you? through a lot of sleep issues. Yeah. I have apnea, sleep apnea. So how did – tell and me what happened. How did so um, it, it, there were a couple things that were going on. First of all, whenever my family, I, my wife and my son and I would, would share a room, my son would never want to be in the room with me because I'd snored very loudly. And it looked to me, or the, from what they would describe, that there were some breathing issues when I slept. So they kept, you know, really encouraging me to look into this seriously. So How I, long has it been happening? This oh, thing, this it was thing. going on for years. Um, I would never, unlike you, I loved sleep. I still love sleep. I love I can sleep, never but get no one believes sleep. it. But I do love it. No yeah. one believes it. Well, but... if you're answering an email at 3 or 4 in the morning, though, well, that's you're true. already not helping yourself. No, you've right. got to turn all that off. That's what my advice okay? is. Yes, you're right. And that woman at 3 and 4 in the morning, she's not helping herself that's either. Right. So that's my advice on that. That's but a good advice. Anyway, um, so, yeah, for the longest time, I guess, um, even though I was getting a lot of sleep, I just craved more. I never felt satisfied. 
So finally, uh, we know someone at the Weill Cornell uh, Sleep Center, and I did the same thing you did. I checked in. They put this weird mask on me that looked like a, it was like a cross between Young Frankenstein and Pulp Fiction. And they wired me up, and it was a very sterile room, absolutely. I had the corner room, which was nice. A little oh, I view of that. the bridge there. Oh, yeah, it was a nice better room. view than me. Um, very nice bathroom. Um, and there was a, a television. I think I watched a little Saturday Night Live, and then I turned it off. And I just like was observed, and it took a while for me to, to fall asleep, but that it happened. And then six hours, seven hours later, I left. And they called me with the results. They said I was a 13 in terms of sleep apnea, which is uh, in, intermediate. Not mild, but not severe. But enough that I had to get a machine, which I've been calling a CPAC. C-pack. But it's a CPAC. PAP, right? CPAP. But for the longest time, I've been calling it CPAC, which is, I understand, the conservative nominates Trump, you know? Is that right? <laughs> the conservative campaigns. So that explains why people would give me a very quizzical and slightly disdainful look. So, although if you mention in the South, they're all over I have over a sleep you, issue you know? and I'm taking a CPAC. <laughs> That'll really solve everything. So I've got this, this equipment now that I go with. It's so beautiful. It's beautifully made and it goes into this nice little case and so I fill it up with my distilled water every night and I wear it and it looks horrible I don't even think about how it looks but it does get me through the night and it's very good for humidifying so you get the humidifying effect which is nice and it tells you how many hours sleep you got and it also tells you if the air escaped and has a little red face with a, a frown on it if, if you get the red face you don't that's that's you have to improve on your skills so um, yeah so it's good in the morning when I see a, a happy face it, it kind of gives me a good mood I mean, it gives you a happy success <laughs> put on a happy face Sesame Street for yes. the sleep deprived um, so it's been very helpful I would recommend it okay I, I, I'm gonna go back I haven't I, haven't I don't think you need to go back I think they just need to give you the results alright that, well that okay I, I think you're right and I have fallen asleep during a lot of shows well we talk, but know. we have a joke now because we saw each other at a couple shows with MTC at the cake show. the cake was one the cake he the, was sitting two rows in front yep. and my wife and I were spending time watching the show and uh, then watching Stephen watching the show correct, and see. watching him every time he fell asleep correct exactly <laughs> this was this was, this was was absolutely right absolutely right and then, he, and then you clocked it with me and then I said and then you would do the same thing as uh, not as much as me but you would say well I, I, I kind of dozed like, you know yeah. Yeah. they had me I was out. Hand was to God. Out. Do you remember Hand to God? Yeah. Well, I that was an unfair situation because I took the red eye from California yeah. and I had yeah. TDF. I couldn't give up TDF, right? Yeah. So that, I well, went, welcome to my world. Yeah. yeah. I went to see the show and uh, 20 minutes into it, I just remember the lights went out. <laughs> the lights went out of my brain. You know, just like it just shut down 20 minutes. And so I ran into Sarah Stiles, who was so great in the 20 minutes that I saw. And I said, you're really wonderful. Congratulations on the Tony nomination. She said, well, I figured I got it because of the puppet sex. I went, there was puppet oh, sex? Oh, no. Oh, no. She said, what did you see? I said, I, I thought I saw the show, but I guess I fell asleep after the first 20 minutes. I have to explain, of course, the red eye. But then I went back and I saw the puppet sex. So now I know... You know why she got her well, nomination? Well, that's the thing. I do the same thing, but yeah, what I do. That's that's. But we. But you are. You're not nearly as bad. But, but I did. You know, I was a Tony nominator for three years, and so I you had saw to see like seventy shows every year, and I was deathly afraid that if I fell asleep, I would be reported, and they would take away my my Tony nominating card. But you didn't. So I didn't because what did I you do. Well, I had a lot of gum. You know, and I had gummies, and I also do this thing with my foot, Ooh. where you like you put your one leg over the Ooh. other, and you just if you feel like yourself you're falling asleep, you just take that 
ankle and you just bring it in a contortionist kind of position so that there's pain. There's kind of a sense of pain. I kind of love that. I love no, that idea. No, pain will help so keep you away. No one can see that either. Yes. So, I mean, okay. I don't like inject no. into my body. I'm not like, you know, cutting myself. But. God. We're not advocating self-harm here no. in this podcast. No. So tell me how, um, you have, so your first show was Nobody to, no, what was your first show that you wrote? I wrote a produced? show, this is kind of funny, I wrote a show called This Week in the Suburbs that was down at the Inner Circle in the village. Do you remember there was a club called the Inner wow. Circle? Yes. What I, year was uh, it? It was in 1983. I did the music for it. And there was someone in the cast, Terry Berenger, who has since unfortunately passed away. Her boyfriend was Kurt Ziske. You know Kurt, yes, right? Yes, I yeah. know the name, yeah. So Kurt knew um, William Goldman. And oh, um, wow. I was they reading Adventures in the Screen Trade at the time. And uh, so they invited... Uh, William, Bill Goldman and his wife to see the show to see Terry because uh, Terry also knew the Goldmans and uh, the show was not very good but that night was kind of magical because what happened was that it, they used the place as a restaurant and an art gallery oh. and a cabaret space and a dessert topping so they <laughs> had these paintings and there was a painting where the actors were supposed to enter and during the overture it fell and it blocked the entrance, so oh. the actors couldn't get through. So one of the actors had to come on, take the painting, and go off with it. And the audience was erupting in laughter, and we were golden. Everything landed that night. It, and I had my book, Adventures of the Screen Train, and Bill Goldman wrote, Dear Doug, it was thrilling. God bless, Bill. Ooh. And that was such a great introduction. And this was way before I saw No Way to Treat a Lady. But a year later, I was doing the laundry, and I turned on my little black and white TV, shows you how long ago this was, and I saw this movie, and it was just no phenomenal. It was, it was so theatrical. Rights, well, that's the thing is that I, um, so I, uh, I didn't know, we didn't have Google. We didn't have the internet. This was a long time ago. So I, I had all these movie reference books at home. So I called my parents. I said, I just saw this movie. I also called Kathy, who was my girlfriend and became my wife. And I said, watch this movie. I think there's a musical here. And so I <laughs> called my parents. I said, can you find out anything about No Way to Treat a Lady? And they called me back about a half hour later. And they said, you'll never guess. It's based on a novel by William Goldman. <gasps> Right. I was going to say, right. right. I thought, wow, is that Beshert? I don't know if you know Beshert, that. Beshert, yes. That expression. Yeah. So um, I thought, this is going to be a slam dunk. So I, uh, I got in touch with him because his, num his number was in the phone book. And I called him. And no, I, I called him. I didn't call him because I, I wanted to write him. I wanted to make this really official, you know. Oh. And I also wanted to write songs first and complete them and have them ready to play for him. So, so I had four similar. songs and one of them was So Far So Good. And um, I wrote him a letter and I never heard back. And I was really shocked and then I called him. I followed up. I was at my job. I, had a, I was a personnel counselor for 18, 18 years. And he said, yeah, Doug, I, I was just kind of confused by your, by your note because it's such a dark novel and I would wonder why anyone would want to musicalize it. I said, but I have a vision for it and it's, it's just if you'll allow me to meet with you and play you these songs, I'm, I'm hoping you'll see how I you know, hope to dramatize it. And he said, okay, what are you doing tonight? No, this afternoon. It was like 5 o'clock. He said, what are you doing at 5 o'clock? And I was at work, and I said, well, um, I'm at my job, but let me let me see what I can do. I'll, I'll meet you at my apartment at 5 o'clock. And you had the songs ready. I did have the songs ready. So I went to my boss. I said, I need to leave early. I have to play some songs for <laughs> William Goldman. Goldman. <laughs> 
And she was so great, Margaret Lucas, she let me go. And I went home and I spent the next two hours not rehearsing the songs, but just cleaning the apartment. Because the idea of this little hovel, and he's walking in with his two Academy Awards, it was just, I, you know, I have, I have my pride. So um, anyway, he, he came in, he was great. He sat down, I played him the four songs. I took him through the story. I told him about how this one character woman would play yeah. all the, both mothers Phenomenal. and the victims. Yeah. And this was before doubling really became so popular and he loved it and he kept listening to it and he said this is fascinating fascinating he said but i would really encourage you to do another show <laughs> and he, he just couldn't get past the fact it was a dark novel and right. he told me how he wrote it he wrote it as a response to the um, boston strangler and the kennedy assassination i didn't know that very interesting story he was he was writing his great american novel yeah. he was having writer's block or maybe not maybe he just had another idea and needed to express that. He was going around Columbus Circle, he had an idea, thought, what if a serial killer has all of a sudden encountered another copycat serial killer, and how would that impact wow. the serial killer? And he called his agent and he said, I need to write this book, and the agent said, well, let's look at it this way. If you're going through writer's block, or if you really feel like this is an, a valid idea, then you should pursue it, but give yourself a month to write it. If it takes you longer than that, you know it's an excuse not to finish the book, the, the great American novel. So he wrote it in four weeks. And he went back to the other book, which became a bestseller, I believe. And then he also um, put this aside because it was they didn't want him even to use his name. Because his career was just taking off, they felt that this book was going to actually uh, undermine the other book. Oh. So they would not publish it under his name, but he chose the name Harry Longbow, which is the real name of the Sundance Kid. Oh because God. at that time, he was researching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh Kid. God. So it's so cool. What a what a trilogy. And then here's the other thing. So this little book that came out under the name Harry Longbow got some very good reviews. But somehow when Cliff Robertson was doing Charlie, right. he was getting a screenwriter together. Um, oh, it's um, The Thing of It Is. That's what it was. So that the, was the book. That the he Thing was of It Is was a massive book. And, and I've never read the whole book, but Neither people right. say it's brilliant. Well, everything he writes is pretty brilliant or wrote. Think of him in the present because that's... He was such a mentor. He, he, yeah, he was great. Um, anyway, uh, so Cliff Robertson sees the galleys of No Way to Treat Lady before it's published. He likes it, says this guy will be great for writing Charlie and Algernon, which became his, his Academy Award winning role. Right. Hires Bill Goldman, who pens a whole script for Cliff Robertson and then gets fired. Oh my God, I didn't know that either. So the script is discarded, but somehow... That script comes in the attention of somebody else who hires him to write Harper for Paul Newman. Oh, and that's God. the film that launched him as a screenwriter. So it all started with No Way to Treat a Lady. And then when No Way to Treat a Lady was, um, was optioned by Saul Siegel for Paramount, they hired John Gay to do the screenplay, not William, William Goldman. Goldman. Uh, but John Gay and William Goldman were friends, and Frank Gilroy, who was a big part of my life, yeah. was very close to both John Gay and Bill Goldman. So it was just this really interesting little so circle. Did you, so you wrote another show? Was, you took his advice? How did, what happened with that? I was writing another show about the quiz show scandals. Okay. And I went as far as I could with that show, and... Um, 
I was writing it with Tom Tose. And Tom Tose and I then wrote a Charles Dickens Christmas for Theater Works, right. which was my first show after No Way to Treat a Lady. And um, and then we wrote Columbus, which was another show right. that we did for Theater Works. So, um, so yeah, but if this is there's a lot of stories with, with Bill Goldman that are kind of interesting. I mean, the, one of them is that I got into ASCAP and um, the musical the writing, theater the workshop. Writers, yes, and you have Stephen two Schwartz. songs you can present, and you have a, can a panel of four people, and you don't know who the panel is going to be, right. although you strongly suspect it will be Charles Strauss. And I'd been there up in front of the panel twice before two other shows that failed miserably and never went anywhere. And um, so I got real, when I called him to tell him the good news that I got in, he said, I thought I told you not to write that show. <laughs> but I was young and I didn't take no for an answer. I said, oh, I know, I know, but they loved it and they want me to do it and I would love for you to be there. So he said, okay, I'll show up. But the, the deal is you can't tell anyone I'm in the room. I said, okay, it'll be our little secret. So um, what did you present? What I presented two songs, five more minutes, which was later cut and replaced by nothing in the Hudson Guild. Okay. It was just cut. And he helped me cut it, Bill Goldman. Oh. And then later I wrote I Need a Life, which sort of replaced it. And then the other song was Still, okay. which is still on the show. And I had Mary Testa do Still oh and Jason Alexander do Five More Minutes. The famous with, Jason with Alexander. Mary, yeah. So it was not known beyond personals no, at, no, the time. at the time. And Bill Goldman was in the audience. And the panel was Charles Strauss, uh, Burton Lane, uh, I believe Stephen Schwartz and Frank Rich, who was then the chief theater critic for the New York Times. Right. The first three shows had gone up, all had failed. I was the last, I was the fourth. Um, and Frank Rich said, you know, you should try and find Bill Goldman. He's in the, probably in the phone book. <laughs> this is one of his lesser known works. He should give you the rights to this. And, and oh, Charles Strauss summed it up and said, well, now you can tell him you got a good review from Frank Rich. And um, I went up to Bill Goldman afterwards. I went, I'm sorry if it made you feel if it was awkward being in the room and they were discussing it. He said, that's fine, that's fine. Call me tomorrow. And, and, became, and I did. And, and then reality. he said, let's, wow. let's put your lawyer in touch with my lawyer. He was a prince of a man. He really, really was. And I mean, I get emotional even talking about it because, you know, we lost him recently. And... Um, I went to his memorial, and at one point they asked if there were people who had been impacted, young writers, and like 50 people stood. You know, his, his, we heard stories about The Princess Bride with Adam Gettle, but I don't know what that situation was, but all I can tell you is that he was so generous with his time and monetarily too. I'm not gonna go into specifics on that, but he knew what I put into that show and he was the fairest person. I, I owe him so much. And um, and he helped me write the show in previews. He came in and made suggestions. And we had an all-night marathon where I had four hours sleep. But I would gladly have sacrificed that sleep for the privilege of being in his apartment, which was a lot nicer than mine, and <laughs> uh, the have the screening room uh, that we worked in and, and go over the show and have him act out the last scene because we couldn't quite get it right and he made these great suggestions. It was it was one of those magical times. It, yeah. uh, you, I don't know. I can count on my one hand what that is like for any writer. I yeah. mean, bless, that is phenomenal. Congratulations. Thanks. And how it, it, it shaped your whole career and shaped you as a person, I'm sure. It did. Your whole, it did. That's it just, was a great 
beginning, and I have to say, <laughs> not that I'm complaining, because I'm so proud of the shows that I've been associated with and the collaborators that I've been yeah, you've fortunate enough to work with. You've had such wonderful base of yeah. I've worked with some really wonderful people. Who are and, some of them? Tell um, us. Well, them. Doug Carter-Bean, of course, Douglas Carter-Bean on The Big Time, and um, I've worked with um, Cheryl Davis, who is a, a Larson and Kleban winner on Bridges, and Barnstormer, the Bessie Coleman musical, which is actually going to get a, a workshop this spring here in New York. And uh, I also have worked on a show with Peter Felicia. I've worked with Tom Tose. Um, I've worked with Dan Elish. I love Dan Elish. Um, I, we did The Evolution of Man. I feel very compatible with Dan. And we're working on another show as well with Mike Mitri, who is doing the book and he uh, of this new show. And he was one of the um, lead producers of Be More Chill. So um, I've been very fortunate. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but um, oh, Howard Marin. You know Howard Marin? I know Howard. Yeah, we worked on the Valentino musical. I mean, so you know, some good people. I've I've really been very fortunate. So, and you also (laughs) you share not only you share as you say you share this amazing talent profession all that, but you also come full circle because what what I also know you at is is the Neighbor Playhouse, and and you've been working there for uh, many years. But you've done you've directed the shows this eighth year this year, correct? Eight years. And your show this year was called Jury. Duty. Duty, yes. <laughs> and uh, so tell me the experience. And you and you had a wonderful song of yours in the show this year. Yeah, never had it um, performed live before. It was one, a wonderful. Thanks. What, what, uh, what is your experience there? Do you feel like bringing, as a writer, bringing your writing ability as, as a director there? And, and sh- you shape it. You create amazing stuff. Well, the people who are not familiar with the Neighborhood Playhouse, it's a great, great theater that's been around since, uh, I think they said over 90 years. I was saying, yeah, 90 years, because I work in the summer, yeah. and, and it's a weekend, and the, uh, the gentleman who used to play piano there played for Martha Graham there, Ted. Yes, Cos- yeah, yes. So Ted Dalbach, Martha Graham taught dance there. I mean, can you imagine taking a class with Martha Graham, or can you imagine oversleeping because it's at 9 a.m. and going, oh, I missed my class with Martha Graham today. Yeah. Now, and and oh. it's right here. It's still there. It's still yeah. there, kicking along with the and boiler and all portrait that. portrait and everything. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so what's your experience with the kids like when you were uh, there? I really love these kids. I mean, the, this year's class has been exceptional. But yeah, I, it's I, really good I singers. I <clears throat> almost, you know, I can't say... Like, yeah, there's always going to be, you know, maybe one or two students that are more challenging, let's put it that way. Maybe they don't take to musical theater, but I kind of like that because I like the fact that it's my job to excite them and show them that you don't have to have a great voice to make a contribution. Because if you can act, you can sing. I really do believe that. And there's some people who can't kind of hold a tune, but there are songs for them. And it's not just, I really couldn't sing. Yeah. You know? No, no. Uh, so, and, you know, Mabel Mercer was not a great singer, and she was probably known as one of the greatest interpreters of song. That's absolutely right. So, I really believe, and as I get older, I also recognize that, too, because, you know, when I was younger, I had a really pliable voice, and as you get older, it's not so pliable, and so, um, oh, I have, I have, <laughs> he said, clearing his throat. Um, so, anyway, it's just that I realized, too, that you, you have to rely more on the acting of songs, um, and people that sometimes have great, phenomenal voices don't always make the same impact. Impact because they're not really investing in the song. Let's do the uh, let's do the song. So this is a song that um, I wrote for the Big Time, which is the musical I wrote with Douglas Carter Bean, and we uh, had this great um, concert at the McCarter recently uh, with Santina Fontana and Debbie Gravitt and Laura Osnes and Will Swenson, Bradley Dean and Jackie Hoffman and Michael McCormick. I just, you know I have to give them all because <laughs> if I leave out anyone, they'll be like, why didn't you mention my name, Raymond Bocour? Um, but uh, so Laura sang this song, and it's kind of self-explanatory. I don't think you need a setup. Mm-hmm. 
Don't know if there's a God These days he likes to keep one guessing But still I'll give a nod Saying thanks for every blessing The rhapsody in blue the scent of evergreens, the golden age of Burns and Allen's old routines. Thanks for ruby shoes and yellow submarines, and thank you for today. Thank you for the kicks from towering rockets, ballerinas dancing, perfect pirouettes. Every bouncy note in great Berlin duets And thank you for today Thank you for the strength to rise Every time I fall Thank you for the time at hand The greatest prize of all Thank you for the friends I met along the way. Though our time is brief, our love is here to stay. Every passing moment is a precious gift. I lift my voice and say thank you, whoever you are. Thank you. Sign us out, Christian. Thank you for listening to Stay Awake with Silverstein. Feel free to follow us on on Instagram, but also on iTunes, on Spotify, Spotify. yes, Apple app, yes. And a big, big, amazing hug to Douglas J. Cohen for being our 25th guest. Stay awake with Silverstein. Sit back, don't nap, and listen to neurotics. Yeah, you'll never find him catching Z's. He's always at the piano.